Welcome, welcome, welcome back, everybody. September 1993 Movies Discussion. My name is Pat, joined by my lovely cold Jen. Hello. As noted, we made it. We watched two movies. Better late than never. True. Because we made it, as in we're still in the right year. Accurate. Also, September we, has come and gone. Although I keep thinking in my mind that it is September, and like yeah, it was. You know, it was quick. I'll say that it was here and then it was gone. And uh, we did a lot in the month of September, but we're here now. You're hearing this in October, late October. But we are covering a Bronx Tale. We are covering True Romance. Actually, one time where neither one of us saw the movie, so pretty good. And. We're going to have a discussion about the movies that came out in September. Well, we each saw one of the movies. True. Yeah, yeah. That's the way you were. But also a long time. I know what you meant. It's been a long time. Oh, yeah. I didn't remember. Here's a couple movies that came out, Jen. Are you familiar with a movie called Dazed and Confused? Yes. We didn't see that one, but it came out. We didn't, and I think we talked about why. I think it's because it was like a... takes place in the 70s, right? So we were kind of like... That movie's amazing, but also, continue. Joy Luck Club. Because then I just realized Bronx Hill also doesn't take place. In I've never seen the Joy Luck Club. I haven't either. But that's like a big deal. Do you remember that? Like, I remember working at a video store that's a big deal. Yeah, maybe we have to later. watch it. I don't think so. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think there's anything that I'm going to gain or lose from seeing the Joy Luck Club. Okay, fair. What do you know about a movie called The Program? Nothing. It was actually, it was like a, you never seen Varsity Blues though, have you? Yeah. Okay. I've seen Varsity Blues. So like, it was like a more, like more adult version of Varsity Blues. It was really oh. about like this program where they're just like doing steroids, like also, it's like a, a football thing. It was like football, like over the edge. Um, the program. Okay. You ever heard of Warlock Armageddon? Nope. That was good. I remember vividly, I feel like it's like, a, it was a cross between like, Interview of the Vampire, and then, like, Bram Stoker's Dracula. But there was that, like, 90s, early 90s, like, you know, that, like, techno, like, long black cape type thing that then became, like, the Matrix. You know, like, long black, like, I'm outfit. just picturing the guy from Grandma's, Grandma's Boy. Boy. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, like, that whole vibe of, like, getting to that, like, level... This movie, I remember, like, the warlock is, like, kind of dressed sort of like that, if I recall... And there's just, like, every villain that they had in the early 90s, they would just put him in that, like, black, like, leather coat thing. That's what I got. Because they did a lot of, I remember they did a lot of, like, vampire movies, too, and the vampire would always be like that. And I don't know. I don't know if it's, like... I think vampires had a, had a moment, though, in the 90s because of Bram Stoker's Dracula, when I start to think about it. Yeah. Right? I think they did. Didn't they have, like, a moment? Because, like, I don't feel like in the 80s there was a ton of vampire movies. I think there were still, like, Bela Lugosi vampires. I don't know if, um... I don't know if I would know, really, but there was Dracula in Monster Squad. Yeah, but he was, like, an old-school Dracula. He was an old-school Dracula. Yeah. Um... Like, The Lost Boys, I think, was the one that, like, kind of brought back some. That was 80s. The late 80s. I feel like that was 89. Yeah, maybe. I'm gonna... Maybe even 1990. Like, I feel like it was not, you know, it wasn't like 1984. Yeah. But Warlock, Armageddon. I don't know. My The big thing that got me into vampires was Interview. Right? 87. Yeah. Interview with the vampire. Um, God, yeah. I wanted to be a vampire so bad. Explain, not explain the mechanics thing. of that, though. Like, how did you want to be a vampire? Explain that. Like, what you wanted to just be up at night? Like, like was it, what about it appealed the the living forever? Yeah. Okay. So you want to live forever. So yeah. that's like your superpower. So if you have like a superpower, you want to you want to be like Wolverine or something. You can heal your injuries and just like live forever. That's like your superpower. Or live a really long time. Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to live forever by myself. But if you're a vampire, you're with other vampires usually, okay. and if, like you have a friend, or you know. A partner, then you guys get to live forever together. It's not um, a depressing thing, but um, I mean, I don't want to be a vampire anymore. It was a living forever thing. Gotcha. I probably got into vampires at the same time I was going through like a oh my god, I don't want to die someday. You know what I mean? Like you know, when you were a kid and you just like, get weirdly obsessed with death. Like I think it was around the same time. So 
I just like. It's fair. It's dark. A little dark. What about the movies we watched, though? Those are the movies we didn't watch. That was a discussion about them. What about the <laughs> movies we did watch? What about them? So, I think I was pretty on point with my um, guess on what True Romance was about. Okay, so... It was about a romance that was true. Um, okay, it was about a true romance. I'll give Bob, you that. Leather Jacket, Christian Slater, Christopher Walken, Brad Pitt, Guns. On the run. All those things happened. They did all happen, but the problem is, is that like the like the ver- whatever you told me was not the movie that you saw. So tell me about the movie you saw. Did you like it? I did. Is your first no, time seeing it? Yeah, definitely my first time seeing it all the way through because I thought there was gonna be like some kind of big breakup situation. I thought it was, um... yeah, and there wasn't. The romance really was true. It was. He met her. It was fast in a theater. Set up by his boss, who paid for the call girl, which is kind of grimy. But, I mean, hey. Yeah. I mean, it was a little strange. He works at a comic book shop. Again, a little strange. But I guess that's a way that you can get him to fall for a call girl without there being any, like, judgments about him. You know what I mean? Because, like, he didn't no she was a call girl he just kind of clicked with her and like fell for her. like they had a fun night it wasn't like he was like oh like how much you know what i mean like it he it made him be able to be with a call girl without him being but then you literally grimy. murders in what i think is one of the best guest performances in the 90s just gary oldman as the drug dealer <laughs> what is <laughs> yeah that was i didn't drexel expect, i didn't expect drexel yeah that is, that was a surprise. What about Christopher Walken as a gangster who was on set for like a day probably? I mean, that's, that yeah. was amazing. That whole scene was amazing. It is, and it's also like a little, a little, a lot cringe. You know what I mean? Now, but like, it's, the 90s. it's pretty cringe. I mean, you... I understand, but like, I think knowing that Tarantino wrote it and it being Christopher Walken and he's a badass, the whole thing worked then I don't think younger people now would necessarily watch that and digest it the same way. Do you know what I mean? I guess. Which is fair. Maybe, but... But that would never be made now. What? That scene? That scene. They could make that scene again. They can make that now. Mm -hmm. Tarantino can. They... He could... Okay, here's the thing. You can make that scene now... Back in 93. It's... If, right? What's... What was the dad? Who's the dad? Dennis Hopper. Oh, right. Same guy from Speed. I was going to say Dennis Hopper, and then I was afraid I was going to say the wrong name. Right. So Dennis Hopper, right? Mm -hmm. You can make that scene now if he is not the person who you're supposed to feel, like, bad for. Like, he's the guy in that scene that you're like, oh, shit. Like, he's going to get killed. And, like, you're on his side. So, like, if they made a bad guy do his monologue, then I feel like it would work. But because you're supposed to, like relate to him in a way and feel bad for him and not want him to get murdered it's hard to make him say all this racist bullshit well, that i mean you can't really deny that i mean i and all um you know all whatever aside is a, is a crazy scene you know like i'm not gonna say it's not but but i feel like like the idea that we're supposed to root for him not to die like you know he's dead the thing is you know he's dead in that moment so i know but I, i'm just saying you can't have a sympathetic character making such a racist monologue that's that's my whole point not that you know he's gonna die but the monologue right but but like again i I think it's more of a tarantino thing you're right you're right (laughs) i'm just looking at you getting like uh upset so well because i just feel like you always have to like i mean it's conversation no i'm not really upset it's 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 conversational yeah i'm not upset and but i just feel like i just feel like that's true they wouldn't make a movie now where someone spouts such racist bullshit and have that person be a sympathetic character. That wouldn't happen. I and guess. I think yeah. you're, you're... And if it did, it would be really, like, a big deal. And people would not digest it well. I don't know. I mean, they he made Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. There is some weird things in there about those guys, maybe. I mean, I don't know. It's just a thought. But you're right. I mean, you're watching what, it for the first time. So. What weird stuff in... 
Like, like I'll say this. We can't even really talk about that scene in anything other but vagueness because it is so racist. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to really say what was what that what it was even about. I don't want to. So, like, that's pretty wild. But, like, what happened in once... I mean, Django, too, had a bunch of racist stuff, but you're not feeling sympathetic for the slave owners, right? You, yeah, I guess so, yeah. I just didn't feel... I, I didn't feel sympathetic for... Dennis Hopper's character. So I think maybe that's why even knowing what it was going to be and knowing the scene and knowing all the stuff, I never felt like, oh, he's going to get out of this. Like he was never Right, but it's not whether or not he's going to get out of it. It's whether or not he's morally good. And he is at that point supposed to be morally good because he helped his son out. He came around to him. He showed himself to be like a warm character, right? So you already feel warmly towards him. He has a dog. Like, all the things that characters have that you're like, oh, okay, and thank God that dog didn't die. I, yeah, I had to look that up when we were watching. I had to look it up pretty quick, and we made sure he wasn't going to die, because I was like, man, that would be rough. You know what is something they do in movies, is if they want you to like a character, sometimes they give him a dog. Hey, listen. Right? You're, Lethal you're, Weapon, Riggs, you're, you're, got a golden retriever. You're going down a path. I support you on the path. No, it's true. That's I'm true, just though. Saying. People like dogs. I did not find any character, I'll say this overall, I did not, and again, this is maybe because I know where some of the other movies go and some of the other things that Tarantino's going to make, but I felt that, especially all the movies we've been watching, there was no real, like, clear cut as someone good or someone bad, per se, in this movie. Because, again, like you would say, Christian Slater's character is kind of an anti-hero, but there wasn't really a ton of anti-heroes at this point. This is kind of kind of what launches all of it. Because, again, he goes and murders a man. Yeah. And goes there to fight with the man. And when you think about that scene, you know, when we're talking about Drexel, you think about that. He's going... He, they could just get in a car and leave. They don't need to He doesn't do, need to take it that far. He doesn't need to go and give him an envelope with nothing in it and, like, try to fight the guy. I think it's just the... He has a gun. I think it's just that he... It's just trying to show, like, his immaturity, right? Like, he's young, he's immature, like, he now, like, fell for this girl and he feels like he has to, like, I don't know, peacock and be manly and stand up for her when really she's like, please don't do this. Like, and is, you know, maybe if he was a 38-year-old man, he'd be like, yeah, no, you're right, let's just chill. But he's not. He's clearly in his 20s and he's, you know. Um, Why don't you give a quick synopsis? Synopsis? Synopsian. A synapse? <laughs> a synopsis of the movie. Okay, so, you know, if we want to talk about it, true romance. It's a movie. About a romance that is true? Christian Slater, Patricia Arquette, they kind of, you, you, you look and see what appears to be two kids kind of falling for each other. Um, after the deed is done, it turns out that she's a call girl he finds that out and goes, yeah, I really don't care. Like, uh, I'm going to get you out of that business. I think she mentioned she's only been doing a couple. This is her first night or a few days or whatever it was. So it wasn't like a, um, she wasn't like a long-term working girl. Not that that necessarily would have mattered as much here. But I think it was supposed to be like, she's a fresh face. And, yeah, you know, she's looking to get a fresh start. So he's like, all right, I'm going to go take care of your drug dealer. Goes to take care of Drexel. Um, ends up getting into a fight, murdering a whole bunch of people. Drexel. Had asked the other girls at the house to give him her stuff um they throw the suitcase to him and it's actually a whole bunch of drugs so now they got all this uncut cocaine what are we gonna do of course well we know someone out in california so we'll go see uh mr rapaport who is a struggling actor in california i forgot about the rap yeah because he's gonna go there to have him sell the drugs because of course who else would you have to sell the drugs stops by Mm -hmm. his dad's on the way out that's when we're having this conversation. Now, it turns out the drugs were actually owned by the mafia. Mafia hitman, mafia, you know, capo is Christopher Walken, meets Dennis Hopper. They have their iconic scene, for those that know cinema, uh, as Jen said. Wildly racist comments now by Dennis Hopper uh, on his way out yeah. of the film. To Christopher Walken, which we don't like, see Christopher Walken again either. Not that it's not cool to wildly, like, say something that you know is going to offend someone that's about to kill you. Not that yeah. what he said should be offensive, because I don't think it... But you know what I mean? Like, he knows he's saying this shit to, like, this well, he knows horrible this guy, guy. He knows this guy's going to kill him. Yeah. He knows he's going to die. And I think the thing with him is they really made him out to be, like, a down-on-his-luck ex-cop. 
So that's that's who he was. That's why the son went to him to see if there's anybody looking for him uh, in the Drexel thing. Kids have their romance, make it all the way out to California from Detroit. Hook up with Cousin Balky because they're going to sell a movie producer the drugs. Turns out... Uh, I forgot about Cousin Balky. Balky gets pinched with a whole bunch of drugs while he's with his lady. I'm giving him some roadhead. Then he decides to turn state's evidence and flip on this entire drug deal, which brings in... Um, which brings in Tom Sizemore and... Who else is there? No, no, that's it's not Tom Sizemore. I don't know who Tom no, Sizemore no, is. No, 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 it's not. What I do know is that you forgot about Michael Rappaport's roommate. Well, we, we I'm, I'm coming there. Okay. I'm okay. coming there. And also Gandolfini. I'm coming there. Okay, I'm, right, I'm, right. I'm talking about what happened with the drugs, but I'm trying to remember who that is. Um, See, this is why you had to do the summary, because I, I already, you know. I would just be saying names. My brain is just not... I'm like, oh, man. It's Chris Penn and it's... Yep, Chris Penn and Tom Sizemore. So they are the cops that are going to be taking him down. And away we go. Meanwhile, he's got all these drugs. He goes to stay at... Rappaport's house, who is the roommate? Todd, but everybody's favorite, Brad Pitt, who spends the entire movie just smoking weed on the couch. Um, lo and behold, James Gandolfini, in his uh, movie before he uh, became the ultimate Italian-American uh, badass, right? Tony Soprano, he is one of the henchmen. He goes out, uh, gets into a wild fight with Patricia Arquette. Yo, that scene is in the hotel rough. room. That's rough. That's how you trying to find the drugs. Know that this is well one of the many ways you could tell this was written by Tarantino. Mm-hmm. Like it is so insanely violent. Very violent. Very violent. She fights for her life against Gandolfini. She ends up um, winning the battle when Slater shows up. Then they go to meet the, they go to sell the drugs. This is all off the top of my head now. They go to sell the drugs and... Yeah, I mean, it. there's a lot going on. Cops have shootouts and the movie should end one way, ends another way for the test audiences. I think that was the biggest thing I took from you. Um, spoiler alert for movie 30 years old, Jen, the ending. Yeah. You were immediately... What did you say to me after we saw it? Oh, I, th- I would have bet money that um, Clarence a.k.a. Christian Slater, would have been killed. I did not think that he was going to make it out alive. Like, I definitely thought, he, especially once he got shot, I'm like, yeah, no, I knew there's no way this guy was going to make it. I, I thought it ended tragically. Um, and he didn't. He, he lost an eye, but uh, it ended with him and Alabama on a beach with a, with a little baby child. See, in my mind, in Top Gun ends right before they're going to go on the mission and Goose dies, right? Goose is just on vacation. Right. This movie, in my <laughs> mind, this movie ends with him dying. Right? So that little, like, coda, I'm always, like, I always like still think that this, I'm like, that's just, like, a dream. It's I not get real. It. Because I'm like, it just doesn't really make, he got shot in the it eye. It softens it. I, I, I understand what you're saying, but I was happy that he didn't die. I, I understand it probably would be a better story if he did, but... I wouldn't have liked the ending as much. And I wouldn't have liked the movie as much. Because then I'm like, oh man, they really... Like, there's something cool about the fact that, like... They really did fall in love that quick. And it's it's kind of cool. I mean, I know it's a story and not real life. But, I don't know. I, just I like always, the story. I just always think to myself the... You know, I think a lot about the, like, idea of Breaking Bad. Which is obviously that comes around 20 years later. But it's like, you watch this guy and he's a normal guy. Working at a comic book store. Mm-hmm. Super nerdy dude. By the end of this movie, he's... Killed multiple people. Yeah. In the course of like two weeks. Killed multiple people, been involved in multiple shootouts. Tons of drug money. <laughs> he's, sell- he's like he's selling on the run. Cocaine. He's selling tons of uncut cocaine. Yeah. It's a level where you're like, this guy, how does he go back to just like and, doing regular work? And like, he goes, he goes to California because he knows his friend is like a struggling actor in California. He's not a drug addict. 
He doesn't right. know anybody fancy. Right. Like, he's just like, you live in California and you're an, you must know a quote-unquote actor, so mm-hmm. I will bring this cocaine to you. Like, it's such a nerdy boy thing to do. Like, clearly this guy has no hookups. It's ridiculous. That's what I'm saying. It's such a movie where you're like, well, the character has to die because what does he do from here? Like, what does he do? Like, this guy is chasing the wildest high the entire movie. No, I, what I does like he that do? he lived. I like that he lived. It's fine. Um, I like it, and... Todd's name is really Floyd. Floyd? Floyd. That's right. Yeah, Floyd. Brad, his name is Todd. Floyd. Yes, it's Floyd. Oh. But I didn't know before we watched it. I mean, I knew the people who I said were in there. I didn't know I was getting Gary Oldman. I didn't know I was getting James Gandolfini. I didn't know I was getting Val Kilmer as Elvis. 90% of the movie is just filled with a movie star after a movie star after a movie star. It's unbelievable. There's so many good characters in this movie. Mm-hmm. It is over-the-top violent just like any Tarantino movie would be, even though I know it's not really a Tarantino movie. But it's, um, but not so much that it's unwatchable. Like, mm-hmm. there's some movies, like, when we saw Django, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't think I could watch it again now. Like, that's how I feel about a lot of his movies. Like, I enjoy them, but then I'm like, mm, it's a little too much for me. Like, what's the one where they're, like, just in a, like a, like a cabin... I know exactly which one you're talking about. I don't, oh. It's like... I feel like you make me watch it this time of year every year. No, that, that's a winter movie. Yeah, it is a winter movie, but it um, it is so violent. Yeah, uh, I know exactly which one. The Hateful Eight. I was going to be like, yeah. it's a number movie. It's yeah. The Hateful Eight. Yeah, anyway, um, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed this movie. I really enjoyed this movie. Watching it again, I'm reminded of what it's like sometimes when people... Sometimes some of the better works that you get are the simpler ones. And I feel like this was a simpler story. We could sit here and pick yeah. nits as much as we want. Very simple. A majority of the heavy lifting is done by the wonderfully written supporting characters. Mm-hmm. They're all written fairly relatable to this wild circumstance that's happening around them. But then it just turns out that all of them are, like, the perfect actors. Because you think about a lot of the actors that are here, even including Brad Pitt, right? Brad Pitt's a leading man. But I think in multiple different interviews and stuff, like, he's always talked about it. He feels like he's, like, a character actor, like a, you know, like a kind of background actor. Most of his best stuff has been that, you know, like in Snatch. And he won the Academy Award for... Um, mm-hmm. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He's, he's unbelievable a actor, actor. Yeah, like... Yeah. I, I definitely... I would say Fight Club, too, is a supporting actor. Yeah, he's yeah. not even really the leading guy. It's like... And that's what makes him You're... so great. Um, One of the greatest actors that there is. And this role, like, he just destroys this role. <laughs> when you really see funny. him, you're like, that's fucking Brad Pitt, right? But, like, yeah, but he wasn't really Brad Pitt yet. 100%. He was just in, like, Thelma and Louise. Yep. Like, nobody really knew... But he just destroys this whole thing. And it's yeah. just amazing. And... Every one of these like small roles hit again. Christopher Walken is in the movie for a scene in a trailer. He never shows up again. Gandolfini's there in that room, and then Gandolfini's there again when he finds Patricia Arquette. But all these different characters—they all mesh so well. They all live through the words that are there, right? And it all sounds believable for the time, and it just flows. It just keeps moving, and you know, like I liked Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but. I understood when people were like, it's a long movie and not really a lot happens, right? And he starts to get into the alternate history even with, with Inglorious Bastards. This is really just like grounded, right? You just, you feel like you're following these characters on this wild journey. Yeah. It was a true romance. I enjoyed this movie. Enjoyed seeing it again. Enjoyed seeing all the 90s references, which were all there. Yeah. I was pleasantly surprised by it. Um, I didn't realize it was about like a nerdy guy who just kind of fell into this like weird just broke badass immediately. lifestyle. Yeah. Like hundred percent. Yeah, uh, I think that made it more fun. Yeah. Yeah, I would give this. I would give it a solid A. Yeah, I agree. And then of course we watched *The Bronx Tale*, a coming of age story. Mm-hmm. It tells all this time. I was wrong. It was in the '60s. But it was like early 60s, well, so I was close. Well, it was early 60s and the late 60s. Mm-hmm. So it was like 60 and 68. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Or 59 so and 68 or something like that. So I was close. I was close. You were... You were pretty close, yeah. Outside of me making Although up... Although it does have 50s vibes. I think when you weren't... Like, we obviously weren't around in the 60s. When I think of the 60s, 
I just think of hippies. And I think that's what happens is you think of a decade and you just like think of the most cliche thing about that decade and you forget that things don't just start and end and there are different movements at the same time. And there weren't a lot of hippies in an Italian neighborhood in the Bronx, right? So like, mm-hmm. you, so I, you know, so to me it looked very 50s, but there's still going to be 50s cars driving because you don't just throw out your cars once a, ne- a new decade starts, mm-hmm. you know, so... Yeah, I mean, to me, I, to me, I, will, I want to say like 55 to like 68 in suburbia all seem this, to be the same thing in my head. Yeah. But it's not, I know it's not real because I know that in the 60s, obviously they had a lot of racial tension that was going on, which plays a part in this movie as well. Yeah. But I mean, it all kind of flows together. I, I, I usually, I, I think of things in like, I basically think of anything up until like the seventies is just like the nineteen fifties. Like that, that would be the the swath I would pay. I would paint because it's when you don't like when everybody didn't have a TV at home, and people spent more time socializing. I think than they do in like the seventies and eighties, right? It's like people are just hanging out because you don't have TV and you don't have the distractions. You don't have anything. People are just. Well, I think it's all about community too. Like people are very yeah. tight knit with. In their small community, you know, and also which is too, good and bad at the same time. There wasn't as much expansion to the suburbs, right? Because that all kind of starts to happening after World War II. So it's slowly happening. So you just have this like. All right, but this isn't a suburban story. This is a, a, this a isn't city a, story. This isn't a suburban tale. It's a Bronx tale. Yeah. So there are suburbs. It's true. This I mean, is Bronx actually is my parents moved to the suburbs, you know, in the early 70s. So, you know. Well. Well, same. That's what, that, that's what my grandparents did. It. They all. That's what I'm saying. They're they're leaving this stuff, this unfettered mm-hmm. world behind because they don't want to be involved in it in this weird neighborhood community. So, in the movie, which is uh, semi or autobiographical, um, by Chaz Palminteri, I was telling you it was directed by Robert De Niro. His first directorial debut. Yeah. His, his directorial debut. His first movie. I thought it was a really, really great movie. I'd never seen it before. I heard it was good. Mm-hmm. I think it actually, after seeing all these other movies, and I don't really care what anybody has to say, um, I feel like it's like my favorite gangster movie I've ever seen. No, no, seen. I'm saying I think it's the greatest gangster movie I've ever seen. I love Goodfellas, and I love, um, you know, I've seen The Godfather, seen all that stuff, you know, finally. So Godfather's Godfather. good, though. You know, I didn't think it was that good, and then we we rewatched it. I mean, obviously not. It is really, And I was really like, good. this is a really good, it's a good, it's such a good film. But I it's mean, so good is film. Goodfellas, so is Goodfellas. Amazing film. So it's hard to... That's what I was going to get at. I was going to say, these, I, those other ones, I think, are really great films, and that's why they're revered. This is the best thing about the Mafia. I think, or whatever. This is the best thing I think about a gangster because it's such a really small thing. Yeah. Like that guy is not, you know, the guy who runs everything. But you're not, the and you're not the seeing block. the things that he's doing. You're just seeing tiny little pieces of what they're doing. You're not hearing about like, oh, you know, this guy is trying to sell drugs and we don't like that because we're the mafia. And then this other family is trying to do like, you're not, you're not you're really not, getting involved. into you're, you're... the minutia of the actual dealings of this mafia. You're just kind of like, this guy's Sonny and his buddies, you know, so I'm kill one person and that was it. And then there's like, you know, craps games in the bar and this kind of thing. But you don't see, it's not like the Godfather where you're seeing all the backstage stuff. But, and you remember, too, even, you know, at the end of the movie, when we meet Joe Spesci's character again. Joe Spesci? Joe Spesci. He asks him, he says, was it over a parking space? And he says, no. So, like, it was not about, you know, so, like, that whole thing that occurred all circled back. Like, this is one moment of extreme violence that you saw that the kid helped get him out of the trouble. But that's all that that character did that you saw. You knew he was involved in a numbers game. You knew he was, like, a bad guy. But he was so humanized. And I thought that was the most important thing. Because some of the other ones don't really... They're just such great films. They're not really humanizing them. Like Ray Liotta's character in Goodfellas and who we're generally following. Like Joe Pesci's the worst. Oh, the absolute You're like, De Niro's really, really bad and doesn't care. And you're following Ray Liotta's character who's also just involved in all this shenanigans. Like we're seeing this guy through the eyes... You know, of Chaz Palminteri. Of right? a kid. Of a of, kid. Yeah. And he's seeing him and how he's treating the kid. How he doesn't have kids. Yeah. Or they, 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 they don't say he has any kids or a wife or anybody. He has no attachments. I would imagine. He might. I mean, he might. He did have a night. Nice, you don't really They weren't know. there at the funeral, though. 
that's a, that's the only thing that, that gives me the idea. The last person there was was traditionally like the last person there, like an Italian funeral would be like your son would wait, you know, for you. So he didn't have anyone. Okay. Because it was, you know, it was C that was there. And that whole idea and all the hijinks and all the local characters that just like none of them look like really, you know bodybuilding badass people like they just were just regular looking you know big dudes that just yeah we are all together we're a group and we're gonna run the block and i just thought it was the most authentic version of that why don't you give a quick synopsium of this synopsis no i know how to really say collegro oh you said it right collegro that's a have you ever heard that name before no collegro i was Uh, just asking because you are italian is Chaz Palminteri in two different time periods. Uh, Robert De Niro is his father, Lorenzo. And when he's younger, when he's nine, he witnesses a murder committed by... You said it was Sonny, right? Was Chaz Palminteri? Sonny. Yeah, yeah. Sonny, who's the uh, local... Lospeccio. Sonny Lospeccio. Sonny Lospeccio. Okay. Who's the local um, mob leader in the area. Everybody, as Robert De Niro says, everybody fears him. And it's really the whole play and the whole story is the pull between Robert De Niro's um, hardworking, middle-class, quote-unquote, working man and then living the other life that Sonny's living where you're um, beholden to money and power and respect. Yeah. So after whatever exchange occurs, Sonny murders a man in the street. C sees this when he's nine. He doesn't tell the police because he knows that a rat is the worst thing you can be. And even when the police take him out of his house, put him in front of all of the um, gentlemen that were at the bar, including Sonny, he doesn't identify any of them. So, of course, Sonny wants to make good on this. He offers Robert De Niro $150 a week to run numbers for him. And he doesn't want to do that. Again, wants to just keep his city job, keep staying there. Which, at this point, when your son is sneaking into the bar and he's getting into all these hijinks, I was more or less like, probably consider moving. Right? Just move. Just move from the block. I don't know if that's the way people... But that's not how they did, because you lived in an Italian-American block. Because when you went a few blocks over, there was African-Americans that were there. That's how it all was that's how it all probably worked you know you can live in these these blocks right. and this is or who you went to the irish block and exactly well then yeah then you have all the irish people so again you know the idea of what so was funny like yeah, how segmented it would be. Se- i mean i know things are aren't perfect now but i mean they're probably pretty similar but uh at the end at the end of the day you know because they're immigrants so they're not working the greatest jobs right you know it's it's not like they have any of the power but at the end of the day they decide to stay. Well, flash forward nine years later. Well, they were never. They were never really considering leaving. I mean, they should. You, your son, you, who, because because if my son just watched a, a a gangster murder somebody in the streets, the gangster's offering me money and I don't take it. My son is downstairs playing craps with the gangster and waitressing or you know uh, mm. serving, waitering, uh, you know serving, waiting at the cocktail uh, that serving cocktails at the craps game in the basement. Of the building next door and getting paid more money. He had like $600 saved in mm-hmm. like 1960. That's wild. Had all this money saved. And you're like, oh, I'm going to give it back to him. Tell the gangster boss that lives next in the bar downstairs. Don't, uh, you know, mess with my son. Like, it's a vibe. It's a vibe. I think we got to leave. I think it's time to leave. They don't. Flash forward. C becomes a young adult. Still under, um, still hanging with Sonny and learning from Sonny and learning from his dad. He's got a bunch of miscreants for friends. Oh my God, his friends are the fucking worst. It makes me not like C as much as I should. Because I'm like, why are you hanging out with these straight up assholes? Because they're all from, you know, they're nerdy. They're, they're, They're the worst. Well, long story short here. We see C growing up, and we see him growing up now in this environment, how he's torn between the gangster life and his dad and going back and forth. Uh, there's one scene where he's invited to a boxing match. The gangsters have seats up front with the seat safe for C. His dad's up top in the nosebleeds, and it's, again, that idea of taking the easy way, right? You take the easy way, and you're there, and, but you're also alone. Or you take 
the hard way and you're sitting up at the top you're still at the boxing match so we just see these that whole thing play out C's friends eventually uh, decide that they just hate black people and they want to be wildly racist. So they just decide to uh, just beat up some black people that are riding bikes. Kids. I mean, they're fellow kids. Teenagers. Kids. Yeah. Just riding bikes because they're riding bikes on the street. It turns out that C has a crush on the on a African-American woman. And a black girl, black girl, she's not, can't, she's like, you know, probably 16. Can't say that to his dad. Cause his dad is also racist. Can't say it to any of his friends. Cause they're also racist. Well, he kind of tests the waters with his dad and says, Oh, if my friend liked, you know, but the dad was like, no, you know, he knew his dad was racist and was I against think that. Back then they were saying colored. I think so too. Which is a whole thing. But, yeah, um, it's a vibe. yeah, his dad didn't like it, but didn't he, um, but Chaz Palminteri's character, Sonny, Sonny. It's like, do what you gotta do, man. You're only, you're only guaranteed three great ones, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> First of all, who decided that? He did, because he only was probably was with in love with three girls. Okay, so... So he made that so he up made himself. This, yeah. He made this, this rule. He made up You this can't rule. have one, you can't have five, it has to be three. Three. He, okay. And he had his when he was young, that's what he said. He had him when he was, like, his age. He was, like, 17, that was it. Um, great. What... <laughs> Damn it. Oh, I had a thought and then it went away and then it came back. Right. But I'll come back to the thought when you're done. Synopsizing? Yeah. Yeah. Three great ones. He still wants to go on the date, but lo and behold, what had happened, his friends beat up the brother the day before. Gets to the date. He ends up calling her the, uh, a racial slur. Well, both, like her and both her brother. Because the brother says, you d- you beat me up. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, I didn't. I tried to help you. Which was true. He did try to help him. But he also was with the kids that were beating him up. So I could see... Both sides. You, you know, good, he wasn't good like... people both sides. Yeah, he didn't like help the kid up and say, leave my friend alone. He was just like, stay down so they don't hurt you. You uh, know, like it... He was lying to get beat. So having said that... The date doesn't happen. When he went to the date, he was using Chaz Palminteri's car. Yeah, Sonny gave him his car. Sonny gave him his car. He took the car with the uh, door test or whatever it was. Yeah, the door test. I asked you mm-hmm. last movie episode if mm-hmm. you knew about the door test, and you said you didn't. I, I didn't, but I was going to leave it as his own kind of segment, but then I thought here, oh yeah, that's right, i got to kind of mention it a little bit oh, here. Oh, we can go back to it. But... He's taking that car to go meet her up for the date. He brings the car back. He's really upset. Um, Chaz Palminteri's character sees that he came back early and was distressed and left, lets him leave. Well, he starts wandering around a little bit. C ends up seeing his friends who their social club, which they have, was uh, egged after the Bike beating. So they beat up children. Children came back and egged them. They decide we are going to um, bring guns and Molotov cocktails and go destroy their store. C gets roped into the backseat of the car, but... Well, he he goes kind of willingly. He goes, but then he's in the middle seat. It's not like and judging he can't him. get out. I'm judging you, C. Yeah, but he's in a bad spot. You know, sometimes when you're young, your friends do dumb things and you end up in the car and you can't get out. He's like, I can't get out. Doing dumb things and trying to kill people and burn their shit down. Well, yeah, I, I'm not saying I mean that level, but I'm saying he's stuck in the back seat. I was thinking more of the idea that you're stuck in the back seat of a car and you're in the middle seat and you're like, I can't, you know, that feeling yeah, of, ho- of helplessness stuck, yeah. when you're stuck in the middle seat and you're like, even if you just got to go to the bathroom, whatever you got to do, you're like, I'm in the middle seat. I can't move. Right. You just can't move. Yeah. It's tough. Stuck in the middle seat. They're making Molotovs while Sonny <laughs> finds them, Molotov. finds them. Pulls over, pulls C out of the car, brings him into his car, and goes, yo, you, like, inside that car was a bomb that didn't go off. Like, you're trying to kill me. And he's like, no, I'm not trying to kill you. I would never, you know. No, he already did that before he went with his friends. So he already accused him. Oh, he saw his friends that were going to do it. Then when he gets in the car, he was already accused. <sighs> he's right? already been accused. And, like, Sonny, like, freaks out at him, so he leaves, he goes with his friends, and then Sonny comes and gets him, and he says to him, 
why don't you trust me? Do you not trust anybody? And Sonny said, I don't, no, I don't, I don't trust anybody. Right. So, yeah. So he kind of came to, to get him out of the situation, but he also like, he didn't really apologize, but it was kind of to be like, yo, you know, I know you didn't try to murder right. me with a bomb. Right. But I guess from his point of view, he did show up early from the date and he was being really weird. And he said, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. And just walked away like sulking. So I could see how Sonny could be like, that was weird. And now there's a bomb in my car, you know, that didn't go off. Did not go off. So, yeah, I, I, I thought the same thing. I was like, I think his his initial skepticism was justified. I didn't even think of it till right now because I was like, well, I was real fucked up. And I'm like, actually, no, it was justified. Mm-hmm. Well, the friends end up killing themselves and also hurting and oh, destroying on, the store. On, on a, well, no, it's not an accident. They throw a Molotov cocktail and then the guy threw one back at them and then exploded in the car. So, I mean, yeah, they, they died. They didn't. They didn't set out to kill themselves, but they got killed because they were idiots. Yeah. Uh, and C would have died in the car. And, yeah. He ends up um, still going out with the girl. Still. Well, because the girl, when he gets back to his block, the guys there are like, oh, a girl just came to see you, you mm-hmm. know? A girl named Jane or whatever. So he ran around the corner and she was there and she's like, oh, my brother told me the truth, blah, blah, blah. thing that I think should have happened that didn't is I think he should have apologized. For using an ethnic slur. Um, the back then he wouldn't have apologized. Well, he should have. Okay, that's fair. I mean, but back he then have. he wasn't supposed to go out with any girl that's probably not even, a, a, not Italian, you know? I wouldn't imagine that bringing home an Irish girl would be the best thing either, so. No, definitely wouldn't. But again, I don't I think, mean, yeah. so, like, he's he's already doing things that most people didn't do back then. And looking past people's, like, you know, color. So, like, what what is it? Anyway. Well, long and short of it, they get in the car, they do the, she she ends up doing, gives him the keys to drive the car, ends up doing the, the car test. So there were two car tests that were brought up. One by his friends. The Mario test. The Mario test. The Mario test basically being if you are driving in a car with a woman, you, or a girl that you like, in order to test to see if she's wife material, you pull up next to a... 18-wheeler, make sure you get his attention, and then take her head and push her down to your crotch area to have her either go down on you or not. If she does, then she's she's a gumad. Get rid of her. <laughs> if she doesn't, you keep her. I mean, this was the first thing you saw of his friends. They're the worst. The kid saying this, the worst. Now, the second test, this is the sunny test, is... Right. Basically, when you get in a car, if there's, you know, when you go to pick up the girl, you lock all the doors. You leave you leave the car, lock, make sure all the doors are locked. You go to get her, you open up her door, put in the key, unlock the right, door. Right, because this isn't back in the, this wasn't, there's this no automatic now. locks. There's no yeah. button, yeah. 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 Put no in the key, button. unlock the door. She sees that the door needs to be unlocked. And then as you walk around the car, if she unlocks the door for you, she's a keeper because she cares about you. If she doesn't, let her go. Yeah. How do you feel about that test? I like it. I like it too. I think it's pretty sweet. Yeah. It's pretty. It's like a cute, like... Uh, it is cute. I would so see someone, or could so envision someone that's so paranoid that they don't like anybody, that they would pick up on something like that in that way as a test. Like you're testing someone. I like I could to, see a paranoid person testing someone. But I remember being in cars with friends, whoever, that didn't have automatic locks right. and i would always open the door for them right but that's kind of my point is like, like i would never think not who to. who would so. think like who would think that like that is the ultimate test of someone's character like if they didn't do that then they're just not somebody you want to deal with like i wouldn't think of that that like only a paranoid person would mm, i don't know i don't know you know because sometimes it's like a level of inconsistency like inconsideration like you're not considering the other person at all if you're not sure if you don't do it a few times because you're distracted or whatever what, but it's not like you're looking at your phone back then. Like, what? Like oh, this person needs to get in. Clearly, they just unlocked the door for me. I should unlock the door for them. Like, I think it's just kind of, like, actually a great judge of character. Well, I think it's like holding a door for someone. 100%. And then it just becomes a thing you don't do anymore. But I'm just saying, the idea I, is like... You don't hold doors for people? No, no, no. I hold doors for people. Yeah. I hold doors for people all the time. I've always held doors. I was always told to hold doors by my Italian, uh, you know, American grandfather, right? My Italian grandfather. Always hold a door for somebody, right? I always hold the door, 
But what I'm saying is, yeah, there's not a lot of, not that there's not a lot, but I would say it's at least 50-50 that someone's going to hold the door open for you now. Back then, it was a custom that was done. So I'm just saying something like this, like, I don't think about it. Like, I don't think about it. If someone doesn't hold the door for me, I'm not like, that's a terrible person. <laughs> but I imagine back then, someone would be like, don't bring a boy home if he doesn't hold the door open for you. Yeah. When we were coming home from Massachusetts two mm-hmm. weeks ago, we stopped at a gas station and I went in to grab something or use the bathroom or whatever. And there was a guy behind me walking, but he was walking really slowly. And I thought he was going to the garbage can that was like maybe 12 feet over from the door. So I went to hold the door. I looked at him and was like, okay, he's not coming to the door. Closed the door. A second later, he walked through the door. And I still feel bad because I'm like, oh my God, I should have held the door for that guy. And I misread what was going on. Right, because you're an, a good person. No, because that, that takes it to a level of insanity. Like, I'm still right. thinking about that. Yeah. And you would probably be somebody that would, you know, you're judging people's character. Because he was a little older. Like, he was kind of lit. Like, I'm like, I should have held the door. But, like, I didn't think he was coming to the door because he was kind of going. Any, anywho. But this is you judging people's character. But that's what I'm saying. Uh, this this is, is, is judge of whether or not she's a keeper. Well, she did it. She's a keeper. He finds out all of his friends are dead. But he wants to come back and tell Sonny. <laughs> she's a keeper. He finds out all his friends are dead. Yeah, she, she takes him back to the place, finds out all of his friends are dead. Could have been him. He almost right, got murdered in that neighborhood. So he so. runs back to go see Sonny and go tell Sonny yeah. she's a keeper. And as he's narrating it, spoiler alert, he's saying, you know, he sees someone there. That, but only he sees the well, person. He goes Everybody's to the smiling. Bar and it's like jam-packed. He's having like a party. I think mm-hmm. that's important to note. These yeah, but, I mean, There's whatever. like a trillion people at this bar. There's a party. Everybody's smiling. Everybody's smiling but one person. Playing cards, drinking drinks, having fun, dancing. Yeah. yeah. Sonny's motioning him over. He's going to go see Sonny. He can't but wait But he to can't tell really him. get through because there's so many people. He's in like a packed crowd of people. And he just sees someone not smiling and that person keeps walking towards Sonny, walking towards Sonny. Boom. Shoots him right in the back of the head. Which again, complete, like, you know, that's allegedly how Tony Soprano dies, right? Gets shot in the back of the head. That's the way you go down, right? That's the way the gangsters go down in the back of the head. Right? Mm-hmm. They don't even see it coming. Sonny dies. Then we get Sonny's funeral. He's obviously really upset. Um, eventually, Lorenzo does come at the end. when his Sonny, dad. All by himself. Yep, his dad does come and just kind of says, you know, he's upset that he, you know, really he doesn't like him because of what he did to his kid. Which makes sense, right? My kid had to decide what to do at nine years old. He had to make moral questions at nine years old. Mm-hmm. Like he was mad that, you know, he took away the kid's childhood. Well, he clearly also wasn't a fan of that lifestyle. And, like, living a life of crime. And he wasn't into that. Lorenzo was not into that. He was into working hard and being a good person. So he also didn't want his son around this lifestyle well, that he, it was almost unavoidable, you well, know, for right. him to get sucked in. He didn't it. want his son around there. And then also, I mean, the idea that, like... You're working so hard. His son watched him murder someone on the street. Yeah. Like, oh, you yeah. could not murder someone on the street. You know what I mean? Like, you murdered someone in front of my kid and, and then, then my, and then my and kid had to having... lie about it for you. And then you're hanging out with my kid. Uh, yeah, and now you're making my kid do all these other things. So yeah, I he came to the funeral. Um, Joe Pesci was there. Joe Pesci uh, had taken a baseball bat to the face, and now he was going to be the guy in charge. But he's like, I'm good. I'm done. I don't want to you know deal with this life anymore. The person that ended up killing him, of course, was the man that he murdered his son. So again, the son of the man uh, he the murdered. son of the man he murdered, which again is so poetic and on a small scale. Because it's all about fathers and sons. This whole thing, this whole all movie. about fathers and sons. But yeah. also the idea, like you know, that Italian American life, like that idea of that lifestyle. Like, yes, you can't just go around killing people. Yeah. That's why I really, again, smaller story. But if that loop really, you know, if any of this was or wasn't real, you know, how I'm assuming, um, you know, at least a good part of it might have been real. Um, that whole loop, closing that whole loop, is really good. You know, if that if that's real. Because that's what would happen. I'm sure that, I'm sure a nine-year-old boy would be like, I'm going to kill that guy. I tried to um, look up who Sonny was, was supposed to be inspired by, but I couldn't find it. I mean, maybe if I deep dive or go on like Reddit or something, I'll find it. I'll look. But uh, I, think, I, could, I tried to look quickly and I couldn't, I couldn't find it. I think the part of the story that's real is just that he saw someone murder someone. I think that's the part. That's well, he real. was a mob boss. The guy that he... The guy that he idolizing about this was a mafia boss right but i think that's the part of the story that's like really real and i think a lot of the other stuff might have just been kind of got cobbled together i don't really know i have to ask Chaz palmentary i mean i'm sure 
I don't know if he had four friends who exploded in a car after trying to he might have burned but... down a black neighborhood. I, I, mean, I hope not, but I don't know. Maybe. I mean, he might have, but again, and that if was then all... that happened on the same day. Yeah, I don't think that, that Sonny got shot. Like, I don't know if, or if he saw Sonny. I think a lot of it is, I would, I'm assuming a lot of it is Hollywooded up to make it, you know. Well, to give it the story that it, that, yeah. I mean, that the through line of the story is. But I don't know. You know it's his life and his story. So. Is, is what you said. I mean, it's his dad on one side. It's the good guy. Mm-hmm. He's working hard, but you know. And he is hard. a good dad. He like, is. it's not even like. He does nothing wrong in the entire movie. Everything he does, every movie makes, everything he does. Is... Nah, except he doesn't want his son dating a black girl. That and that's the thing about this movie is that like, he's the good guy, right? And Sonny's a bad guy, but in certain ways, he is very rigid and unforgiving. Where Sonny, who is the bad guy, did bad things, is way more accepting and tolerant, right? So like, there's it's kind of. I think it's cool because I love when there's like, you know, dualities and these types of things. And yeah, multi, nobody is good and characters. no one is bad, right? The multi-layered and... I just took it as... C is getting what he needs from each person, you know? I just took it as 1950s angel, you know, 1960s angel, 1960s demon, right? The demon of the Italian-American lifestyle. Of course, he wouldn't care whatever you do because it's all about power and respect so you can do whatever you want, right? Whereas the dad is just trying to follow the rigid... Traditions and norms, right? Like his grandparents, came, his parents came to give him a better life. He has a better life, you know. But then here's the other side. Like you skipped all the stuff of working hard and sunny, right? You didn't do that to have this wonderful life, to have this beautiful car, to be this guy that's feared. And you don't work. You don't do it, you know. Right, it's not even like you're just making money Angel easily. Dean. You're actually like... Stealing from people and you're extorting people. people. And yes. Like you're doing bad shit. Yes. You're hurting people. Yeah, you run a bar. Someone else has a bar in their name. He, you know, like he literally was like a half step away from killing Lorenzo. Mm-hmm. Multiple times. I think on multiple occasions. I think more than once he almost killed Lorenzo that we saw. At and least once. At least once. Well, he didn't in the beginning... But when Lorenzo he, he came in it. and screamed at him and said, don't you talk, like go near my son, blah, blah, blah. When he left, one of his dudes was like, you want me to take care of him? And Lorenzo was like, no. You know, because he, but he probably would have said yes if he didn't like the kid, right? Uh-huh. Or at least you could thinking like, damn, like that. Well, I mean, I, I, feel, like in, I feel like in that earlier instance, he didn't have a choice because at that point, if you kill the dad... Of the kid that the cops think, like, I just think that would have been too, you'd have to kill the kid. And I, I think it was clear that Sonny had a soft spot for the kid, right? And it's clear that he has soft spot for the neighborhood kids in general, right? He wanted the neighborhood to stay the same. Um, and he kind of wanted to be the shepherd to get everybody through. Again, finding your next level of, you know, henchmen, so to speak. But I thought it was a really good movie. Yeah. I, and like I said, I I, uh, I was really surprised. I would give this movie an A. Not an A plus. I'd say these are two A A's, two solid A's. I thought it was a great movie. I was pleasantly surprised, and like I said, oh, after having seen a whole bunch of gangster movies, it was one of one of the better ones I've seen because mm-hmm. it was such a. I feel like it was such a. The characters and the dialogue was really good. Like it felt alive a lot. It felt like um. It felt like what you think these people would say. Yeah. And you know, I like that it was the Mush character was great. The the, the giant guy, I forget his name. The, the guy other, with the, the crumb the cake guy. face. Yeah, the crumb like cake face guy. The terrible toupee, and you're like, these these are the creatures that would be at that bar. These are the creatures 100%. this kid would see during the day. Like this is what this would be, right? The mush would be there. This one. Yeah, it's this funny. is what it was. You know that that's what that neighborhood. And I like that been. that's all you see. It's not like 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 we said the other gangster movies that go into all the things they're doing mm-hmm. it's just one little story from one kid's point of view and at the end he's like this is a story just like a million others and that's true you know like my dad is not an italian and he grew up in a neighborhood with famous like mafia guys you know mm-hmm. who we all heard of and he knows he knew them personally and like i'm sure I don't think he's witnessed murders or anything, but I'm sure he's seen stuff, right? And mm-hmm. there's certain things he never do, never never talk to certain people, never try to cross them because he grew up in Italian. Like he wasn't even in an Italian neighborhood, you know? Like, mm-hmm. So I can imagine that Italian kids growing up at this time in those neighborhoods saw a lot of things. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And you just knew. I mean, you saw crimes being committed in front of you, and you knew that the law was the person you didn't talk to, right? Whatever the, that street law, whatever they were doing, whatever, you know, if they were running numbers or beating somebody up for not paying them, extorting them, you don't go tell the cops. You don't be a rat. And that's the main... So that's the worst thing you can be, yeah. worst you thing you can be. Everybody knows. Nine years old, you know. <laughs> that was a really great movie. Yeah. Enjoy the Bronx Tale. Before, you're getting two cards out, but before we do that... Well, we need to. We will do whatever... I'm just saying... We're picking the next movies for the next month of October. Okay. You said you'd like to select which movie? Oh, I wanted to watch What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Okay, which I've never seen. So I'm going to guess What's Eating Gilbert Grape. I don't even know if that takes place in the 90s. Or not. And I don't, I'll say I don't remember. I've seen it. I don't remember what happened. Gilbert Grape is upset because his mom's eating himself herself to death. That's What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Okay, I don't really remember. Demolition Man is a movie I've selected. <sighs> Starring Sylvester Stallone and Wesley Snipes. What is Demolition Man about, Jen? I'm going to be honest. Mm-hmm. I get it confused with RoboCop. It's not RoboCop. In my brain. So in my mind, we're about to watch RoboCop. Nope. But, man, that demolitions things. John Spartan. This is I've never been this excited to watch a movie. John Spartan. Mm. And with that, (laughs) I will say, Jen, I think for true romance, as vague as you were on a scale of 1 to 10, how close you made it, I would say you you were solid 7.9. I didn't say anything false. You did not. I was way too vague. I didn't give specifics, but nothing I said didn't happen. That, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It was it was open. I, I thought you did a good job. What would you give me out of 10? I'm going to give you like a like a two. You were talking about other... You were talking about plants eating people, like Little Shop of Horrors. You, you were all over... You went all over the place. That's fair. That's fair. I don't, um, I don't think you did very good. I didn't. Demolition Man, you've got a one. I mean, you have... I'm giving you I a really four. I really don't. Is it, like a, is it like a, a cop... Thing? Are they like cops? Um, the Snipes and the Stallone? Are they like cops? I will tell you what it, the plot is, but I will tell you nothing more. But basically, um, John Spartan, the demolition man, is trying to take down Wesley Snipes, who's like a really bad criminal. Oh, so they're not partners. No, he's a cop and he's a criminal. I think it's in the 90s. If not, it's in the early 2000s or something. Maybe in like 2021 or something. But I don't think so. It's like in the future, like RoboCop. That's why I'm getting it's confused. Not, it's not in the future like RoboCop. So but- <laughs> the idea is, like this part happens, like let's say in the 90s. The idea is, is that there is a new form of... Um, new form of uh, like criminal reform and the criminal reform is like they're going to cryogenically freeze you for a certain amount of time and then like rehabilitate you using like imaging and drugs and stuff and like implants so you're like frozen in a block of ice that's that's how like prisons work now like we freeze you in a block of ice and then you're 96 it starts so then you're sentenced like so john spartan got framed for killing innocent people inside of this building while he was trying to get Wesley Snipes' character, who was a criminal. Both of them got sentenced to like 60 years or 80 years, 100 years or whatever. So he's like 100 years frozen in ice. And during that time, his brain is pumped with like um, like Clockwork Orange type shit. Only it's not like, it's like an action movie. Like it's not trying to tell like a message like that it's a sci-fi action movie right but it's like like flowers and you know Sylvester Stallone always wants to knit I think that's what he always wants to do because he's like given the skill to knit and like he was deprogrammed but a lot of the criminals it turns out you know scientists is bad the criminals were actually um given more violent stuff and learned kung fu and all sorts of wild shit so moral of the story they need him in the future everybody becomes so um like, there's no crime anymore. There's nothing. 
because they've just like been able to engineer society. And so they need to get a 1990s guy to come and save them because Simon Phoenix, played by Wesley Snipes, gets loose. In Los Angeles. So it's like goes You just told me the whole movie. No, I didn't. The whole you just told me the whole damn I movie. I can't wait. I'm going to watch it right now. Jen? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Let's do our question, oh. shall we? Yeah. We have to start the real game, the real trivs, because we only got two more cards after this, I think. All right. Jen. Yeah. What popular humorist and big brother to comedian Amy once worked as a Christmas elf at Macy's? Oh, David Sedaris. Yes. Um, what extremely salty body of water gives its name... To the Hebrew scrolls that were discovered starting in 1947 and made public in 1991. The Dead Sea. Yes. Sent in 1992, what was the very first text message ever transmitted to a cell phone? Merry Christmas, hi, or test? Um... I don't know why I feel this pressure to absolutely not get this wrong. Does it say the date that the text was? 1992. No, but like the actual date. It does not say the actual date. So I feel like it might be like around my birthday. That's why I, I feel like I... Is it Merry Christmas? It is Merry Christmas. Okay. Um. Whew, I'm very relieved. The high schoolers... In the film Dazed and Confused. That's funny. Mm. We just talked about that. Live in the suburbs of what weird Texas city known for its culture and cuisine? Austin. I did not know that. What? That it was, uh, that it took place in Austin. I didn't remember that. Austin. Chicago's Soldier Field was the site of the final concert of what Grateful Dead frontman before he passed away in August 1995 at the age of 53? Jerry Garcia. Jerry Garcia is correct. What nine? I got all three. I know. What 1992 film based on an SNL skit featured two basement dwelling music loving dudes with their own cable public access show? Well, if I said Wayne's World 2, that would be 93. <laughs> so let's say Wayne's World. Oh, wow. So one was 92 and one was 93. Yeah. Didn't take very long to get it off. Go. Yeah, I'm like 90. Maybe it was 94 because we would have probably already done Wayne's World 2, I think. I don't think that I've seen it come through. I don't know if we're going to do Wayne's World 2, but. Well, listen. 93. Wow. What month? It doesn't matter. Nobody cares. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the way you say that, nobody cares. Everybody cares what month it came out. I I, want to say December, but I don't know. December 10th, 1993. Because literally nobody cared. So you just pumped out that sequel. So you're like, we'll just release it in December. They were trying to, yeah. Capitalize it. Although, I have to say, I think Wayne's World 2... Most Mike Myers movies, the sequels always have more quotable, like, funny gags. But I feel like the first one's always the best. Yeah. Like, I feel like Austin Powers was great, and the idea of Austin Powers was great, and but then, like, the sequels have, like, you know, Gold Member Silly, and sure. Mini-Me Silly, and there's a lot of funnier things in the later ones. The thing is, is that back then, I really liked Mike Myers movies. I can't get into them anymore. Like, it's just that over-the-top humor that was, like, really funny in the 90s to young people, like... It's really, I just can't. It's really hard for comedy. Comedy is comedy is always subjective, so it's always about what you like, and it's always about what you want, and especially more recently, it's always, they've tried to make comedy, I think, less mainstream in a way. So there's just so much. It's so niche. You just pick what you want. I don't like, know if they're oh, trying like, to make it less mainstream. I think it's just happened. I think it just happened. You know, there's right? Because so there's many so many more outlets and avenues. Yeah. You can find the person. You find the kind of thing that you really, really like. Like stuff like Mike Meyer stuff. Like they were doing slapstick stuff and silly stuff like that forever. So that's not something that's new. Yeah. It's just funny how your tastes change over time and how, like, it, spe- specifically comedy, how it like 
It's always like trends. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just trends. Different. I mean, that's how it works. You get you get a little, you know, get a little older. Laugh at different things. Old and boring. Well, if you liked what you heard, come back. We'll be back in October. <laughs> We're going to start with some music. If you didn't, come back again. We're going to start with some music in October. We really enjoy everybody listening. We know you're out there. We see you. You're heard. Like and subscribe and hit us up next time, Jen. Yeah. Where could they follow us? They can follow us on Instagram at BLC Mixtapes. They can follow us on X. Yeah, no, I don't even. I don't do the X. I mean, I got something on there. At BLC. <laughs> Pod or something? Pod. At BLC Listen, underscore we're just pod. happy that we're back in the studio. We've had yep. some unexpected life happening. We keep saying that. It keeps happening. Well, now but... we're going to dial it in. We're back. September in the books. In the books. We're turning into October. It is the month of October. We're going to get some more episodes out for you guys. Check us out for the October music. Jen, as always, it's a pleasure. And we'll see you on the next one. Bye.